I know what his upbringing was. I, I know uh, where he used to be in relation to the Bible and what he believed about the Bible. And over the years, and without, without really a whole lot of proselytizing on my part, but, uh, or pressure or anything else, but God got all over him about the book. And uh, I watched him go from, from uh, the, the, the standard position that there really isn't a Bible that you can grab a hold of and say this is the Word of God to believing that the King James Bible is the Word of God. And uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't me who did it. It wasn't some author who did it. It was God who got at him, and he listened to God, and that's a blessing. So uh, get out your Bibles and prepare to get a blessing. John, come preach. before I get started. Um, again, Pastor, thank you so much for this honor and privilege. I need to, I went to the bathroom. As I'm coming out, I'm running into Jared. He goes, you may make sure you got your mic turned off. I said, oh, yeah. That's all we need is listening to... <laughs> From the and then the the proverbial, ah, but anyway, I tell you what, the uh, it, it it's been a blessing. I, folks, I would love to testify of what God has done in my heart just the last two years, three years. It has been phenomenal, uh, like never before. Dealing with the the need for holiness like never before in Christianity, we've got there's like a cancer or whatever that liberty in Christ is so abused that we want to just get just get right to the edge of the world and make sure we don't step over. We want to get to be to the edge of the world where, well, yeah, I'm not in sin and. That's not where we need to be. Where we need to be is as close to the edge of God as we can be. This is not my message. This is just what the Lord's done in my heart in the last two or three years. But um, a friend of a friend of mine from New Jersey was caught speeding 80 miles per hour through Georgia when it was a maximum of 50 mile, 55 miles an hour. So you know it's been a while. Georgia State Trooper pulled him over. Noticing the New Jersey license plate on his car, the trooper said with a thick southern drawl, Son, nobody goes through Georgia at 80 miles per hour. Without even thinking, this smart aleck kid replies, General Tecumseh Sherman did. One day I was driving to school and I was late for classes. I was pulled over by a policeman for speeding that said to me, I've been waiting for you all day. To which I replied, I got here as fast as I could, officer. <laughs> Old lady doing 88 miles an hour in a 25 zone said, I was checking to see if my muffler was leaking. I like this one. I keep a hubcap in the passenger seat of my van. If I get stopped, 
I'll tell the officer that it came off a car in front of me. Being a good Samaritan I am, I stopped to pick it up and was trying to catch up to him to return it. I was trying to keep up with traffic. Yes, I know there is no other cars around. That's how far behind they or that's how far ahead they are. Go ahead and turn to Romans chapter one and just wait there a moment. But I want to give just a little brief testimony of my life to where I'm coming from to this point here as far as what I'm speaking on tonight. And uh, if I get rid of my coat for any reason, I am wearing a gun. There's two places, three places that you will never catch me not wearing a gun. It's in a church, at Walmart, and if I went, it'd be at a movie theater. But um, those three places I will be packing for sure and not just a little gun for my protection, but a big gun for everybody's protection. Because I'd rather be shooting with a big gun way back there than just a gun that's only good from here to that little corner right there. But anyway, parents were missionaries in Haiti. And in 1977, came back to the States to go to high school and graduated from North Star Christian Academy up in Greece, New York. Graduated in 1979, went into the military, military police for two years, got out, moved down to Richmond, Virginia, got on to Richmond City Police in 1982. In 19, January of 1985, uh, was transferred to traffic division in, uh, within a couple months in an unmarked speed car running radar, and I was doing that for four years, and I loved it. A buddy of mine talked me into applying for the Virginia State Police, and I applied in 1988 and was rehired by Virginia State Police. I was with the Virginia State Police for four years. But in 1991, something took place in my life that rocked the rest of my life, I pray, for eternity. And I won't go into all the details, but what happened one night is that I went in, set my New King James Bible aside, got the Oxford Wide Margin King James Bible that my uh, sister and brother-in-law, Rick and Becky Johnson, had gotten me for my high school graduation in 1979, took it off the shelf, got on my hands and knees and said, Lord, I don't want to read anybody's books on this subject of dealing with the King James. If there's anything to it, I know the Holy Spirit can teach me. Within six months, I won't go into detail the church I was in at the time, but uh, within six months, I became more convinced that the King James Word of God than my own salvation. And over, that, over the rest of the time, though, from then till now, it's just been a progressive thing year after year after year, just being more solidified and more concrete that, uh, that the, the, the Bible, uh, which is the King James Bible, has to be your absolute final authority in faith and practice. And when that took place, my, my world was rocked. Uh, God got a hold of my heart to really live for Him. And I left the state police in 1992, and uh, went, like I mentioned before, got a degree in biblical studies and then took my family to Romania in, in 1997. We returned back to the States in 2007. And I won't go into all the t testimony as far as going back to the state police. I don't say this because it sounds good or I should or I should do it, it, This is the absolute truth. If I could testify in detail, you would clearly understand that, yes, it was God that brought me back, not to just law enforcement, but specifically the Virginia State Police. I can assure you God is the only reason why I'd be willing to go through that State Police Academy a second time. Because when I graduated the first time, I said, I will never do this again. 
And, uh, and oh, I, I really was not happy about having to go through it a second time because it is not fun. Got rehired in 2008 and been back. It's been about 11 years. But in totality, I've been, I've been in law enforcement for going on 22 years. In police work, I mean, who has a brother that's a deputy sheriff? Okay, he, he, was in the, he was like undercover in the drugs and all that. That's never, that's never interested me. Nothing interests me more in 22 years in law enforcement than traffic. It's specifically speed enforcement with radar or laser. I've made thousands of traffic stops. I've got a passion for that. You know, other officers have a different, you know, have different things. But uh, I would give a conservative estimate that I have probably written at least 24,000 tickets in the last, uh, it was probably less than 22 years, but at least approximately that. Sometimes, some years, maybe 1,100, other years, maybe close to 2,000, which is a lot of tickets. And with about another 3,000 warnings in the last 10 years. With all those traffic stops, I am pretty sure that the percentage is about 98% of the time an excuse is given. Rarely do I ever have anyone say to me, oh, trooper, you're so right. I knew I was speeding. I have no excuse. It's all my fault. That really doesn't happen. There's usually an excuse. And sometimes they're understandable excuses, just 90%, 99% of the time, they're just not justifiable. What I want to do tonight is give, give three of the most common excuses in relate to Christianity as it is. But in Romans chapter 1, let's start in verse 16. Romans chapter 1 and in verse 16 down to verse 25. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And remember this word shall, I'll get into it in a little bit, but shall is so critical as far as I'm concerned throughout the Bible when we read it, we need to pay attention and I'll get into it in just a little bit. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven, also, from heaven also against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even to his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the, uh, the corrupt, uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator, who was blessed forever. Amen. Dearly Father, I come before you now. Thank you for this opportunity to open your word. 
Father, the fear I have as far as living what I'm getting ready to preach. Lord, may we realize that it's real, that it's important. May we love you with all our heart, soul, and mind. Thank you for this church. And in Jesus Christ's holy name I pray, amen. In Hebrews 9.27, Paul states, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. I believe here is Paul predominantly referring to people that are lost. But there's one thing that cannot be refuted, is that every single person will stand before God and give a judgment one day, give an account. Now we may, as believers, we may not give an account for sin. We're not going to stand before the great white throne judgment but we'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of our life, how we lived it, what we did, what our attitude was through our life. This message, I believe, could easily be, re, you know, be used as far as an evangelistic to preach to the, uh, to the lost, but I'm, I'm wanting to apply it to Christians. And to, to give you an idea... When I initiate a traffic stop for a speeding violator, at some point right at the beginning of the initial interaction, usually obtaining, after obtaining a driver's license and vehicle registration, I will make the statement and then ask the following. And before I go any further, do we have any other law enforcement in here? Do we have any former law enforcement in here? Do we have anybody that's ever gotten a speeding? You're former? From where? When? Where were you law enforcement? Parole? Man, I don't know if I'd want that job. <laughs> You're a parole officer? <laughs> Retired. Retired. But, uh, has anybody ever met a police officer? Has anybody ever gotten a speeding ticket from a police officer? Okay, just curious. Upon making a traffic stop, I'll, I'll continue with, Sir or ma'am, the reason you have just been stopped is that I have just checked this vehicle through radar or LIDAR, laser, if I'm using that. Let's say at 83 and a 70 mile an hour. We have 70 mile an hour down in Virginia. Is there any reason you are not doing the speed limit? Is there any reason you're not doing the speed limit? And this is the first of the three most common excuses that I believe are given. And uh, I'm sure more than likely... If you've, gotten been, if you've ever been stopped and got a ticket or didn't get a ticket, you probably used one of these three or something similar to that. I know I have. My first speeding ticket, just to let you know, I was 17 years old in Irondequoit, New York. I uh, came off a 55 zone, turned left, went down a 35, and a deputy sheriff stepped out and waved me over and was like, okay. So that was my first experience. I, I have not gotten a speeding ticket in America since. In America <laughs> since. In a minute, just let you know. All right. The first, I believe it's the most common, is I didn't realize it or I didn't know. And it's a possibility. I didn't realize I was going that fast. On a rare occasion, I'll believe the person, but most people know they're going too fast. When your vehicle is the fastest moving thing going down the highway and it's going like a rocket, and you're smoking everybody on the road, it's kind of hard to believe you didn't realize you are going too fast. All right? I mean, everybody else is not going 40 miles an hour under the speed limit. The, um, 
I didn't, and sometimes I mean, I understand they might not know the exact speed that I tell them, but I, I, I believe they knew they were going way too fast. I didn't know what the speed limit was. I thought the speed limit was such and such. A little over a year ago, I stopped a young lady, eastbound 64, right before I got to Richmond. I, I worked this uh, section of I-64 uh, between uh, Charlottesville and uh, Richmond City. And uh, told her why I stopped her, and, and she said, well, I thought, th I saw a speed limit sign, it's 80 miles an hour. I said, excuse me? She's like 19 to 21 or whatever. She, she was a college student coming from university out west in, in Virginia. And I said, excuse me? She said, I, and she's trying to convince me she saw an 80 mile an hour speed sign. I said, young lady, there is not an 80 mile an hour speed sign east of the Mississippi River. They're for sure not an 80 mile an hour sign in the Commonwealth of Virginia, and I know where I live on this interstate, there's not an 80 mile an hour sign. I don't know. <laughs> there's a claimant of ignorance. It's not my fault. How can you write me a ticket? I didn't know. And as we all know, ignorance is no excuse. So many Christians claim ignorance or are truly ignorant. Uh, a young Christian trooper that I was working with as far as an off-duty job. Pastor, I'm sorry, I didn't. I never found out. What time do I need to make sure I'm wrapped up? Oh. Okay, I don't know what time I started. Uh, what time is passion you all? Till I'm, okay, that's, I won't be too long, but the uh, insincerity. Uh, <laughs> sincere. All of a sudden, certain people start laughing. But... Um, I'm working this work zone with him, and I know that his family background, his dad was a very good friend of mine, uh, a little bit younger than I am, and he graduated from Liberty University back when Liberty University was pretty decent uh, as far as for, uh, well, I don't know if it's ever been decent as far as Bible, but anyway, um, it was back in the early 80s is when he went, his dad, and he he died of, of a brain tumor, but uh, this young man had gotten on with the state police been in a Christian home, and I, we were just talking, and I was asking him some things, and the more I talked to him, the more I realized of how incredibly ignorant on basic, I'm not talking about, you know, deep Bible doctrine, but on the basic Bible doctrines that he just did not know. I knew his background. And in the Bible, you don't need to turn there, because I'm going to go through a number of them. There is a or there's a statement. It's been, it was given by Jesus Christ, and numerous times it was given by the Apostle Paul. You know, there in James chapter four, verse four, it's given, and it's the statement of, "Know ye not, know ye not," in uh, Mark chapter four, verse thirteen. And he said unto them, "Know ye not this parable? And how then will ye know all parables?" Romans 6, 3. Know ye not that so many of us were, as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? 6, 16. Know ye not that to whom ye yield your, yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness? 7, 1. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over man as long as he liveth? 1 Corinthians three sixteen. Know ye not... That, you're, that ye are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If we know that and live it and realize it at all times, how much would we stay out of trouble? 
Five, six. I'm not talking about speeding trouble. I'm talking about as far as living right. Five, six. Your glory is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Six, three, First Corinthians 6, 3. Know ye not that we shall judge angels how much more things that pertain to this life? 1 Corinthians 6, 19. What? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Now, I don't know, and I'm blessed, I didn't. And anybody that does, I, I don't mean to, I'm not getting down on you. I'm talking about as far as in the future for any of the young people in here and some of the garbage that's out there as far as the mentality, as far as thinking in relation to certain things that we do to our body. And if you got ink, don't sweat it. My dad had ink, okay? And he, he wasn't happy about it. He got it in World War II. All right, but when God owns our body, if we're born again and we're not our own, we got to be careful about the decisions we make, whether it's inking up. I'm talking about tattoos, if anybody doesn't know what ink is. And just along this, along this line, I'm not, I'm not really preaching against tattoos. I'm just talking about know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. It can be just as simple as how you dress. Men, how you dress. Women, how you dress. This is the body. Your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. Don't we know this? If you got tat, don't worry about it. It's just live for the Lord and, and move forward. 1 Corinthians 6, 20, 9, 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain... 1 Corinthians 13.5, examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith, prove your own selves. Know ye not that your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates? There is no excuse. Is there anyone in here that does not read English? There is no excuse for not knowing this book, because Joshua one eight says, if you want, to, it's a very common passage of scripture. We can turn to it if you want to. It says, and this book, uh, this book of the law, shall not depart out of thy mouth. Now I was talking about that word shall. In a lot of what I'm talking about, keep in mind, I'm talking about as far as what pertains to Virginia, not necessarily New York. But 46.2-821 in the code in Virginia deals with stop signs. It says when a driver approaches an intersection that's governed by a stop sign, he may come to a stop. Isn't that phenomenal? That you have the option of coming to a stop or not. Do you think it says that? You think words mean things? Change one word and it can kind of really ruin somebody's day? We'll change one word or we'll allow somebody else who thinks they know something better to change a word in another book and it can change the whole meaning of everything? The first thing I do in any translation, when somebody says this is a new and better translation, I only have to turn to one verse to find out if it's any good, and that's Genesis 1.1. I go to Genesis 1-1, and if they messed it up, forget the rest. All right, but it says, shall come to a stop. 
That's what makes it a law. And the word may is very, I wouldn't say it's very prevalent, it's, it's a little bit prevalent. Predominantly through all the motor vehicle code, the word shall is used, it makes it a law. When we're reading the word of God and we come across that word shall, we need to pay attention every time we see the word shall or shalt. And if it's in there where God's talking, he's locked himself into a law that he's not going to violate. But when we get passage of scripture, we're going to be accountable. And this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. All right? That thou what? Mayest. We still have a free will. It's our decision whether we're going to love God, whether we're going to serve God. Lost my place, I'm sorry. That thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. No excuse for not knowing because of this book. To speak it, to soak it in, to submit to it. And how many passages of Scripture through the whole Bible that we're going to be accountable to. No excuse for not knowing because of the command, 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto, I think, was I talking to you as far as the word unto versus to? I was talking to somebody. Who was I talking? I don't know who it was. But, uh, I mean, Romanian language, which is the closest to Latin, the Latin language is the most difficult one of all the, the Romance languages, but that's where I learned some, some grammar that's very unique in the King James Bible that is destroyed in all other versions. That's destroyed. And one of the key words is unto versus to. Now the King James translators knew the word to. They used the word to throughout the Bible. And if the word to was necessary in 2 Timothy 2.15, it would have been used. But the word unto was used Verses 2. All right, study self approved to God means all I've got to do is get a degree from a Bible college and I prove myself to God that I'm approved. Versus unto means that God, it's on God's head or the one, God is the one that does the approving. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It's a command to study it, and it's, it tells you how to study it. No excuse for not knowing because of the commands. No excuse for not knowing because of the example. 2 Timothy 3.15. And the Apostle Paul is saying to Timothy, From a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures that are able to make thee wise unto salvation. The examples to know parents. My sister Debbie, is. I'm hoping everybody here knows that. She's my oldest sister. She's the oldest of nine kids. You wouldn't believe how many people today at Nancy Miley's house had no clue Debbie Dunbar was my sister. I was stunned. Debbie, Becky, Joni, Ru Ruthie, Mary Jane, myself, John, my sister Elizabeth or Beth, my brother Dan, and the youngest, Jim, 
nine of us. We're going to stand before God one day, Jesus Christ, and give an account. If nothing else, before if we were a witness, evangelize and won people to Jesus Christ, because we had a mom and dad that did it all the time. One hundreds of people to Jesus Christ. And we're, we're going to be without excuse as far as just on the basis, on, on just the simple thing as far as evangelism. Because we had an example for evangelism in our parents. The last memory I have of my dad before he died out in public, I took him out. Here, here in New York, going down the country road, looked over, gun shop in New York? you got to be kidding me. I pulled in there to go in there and take a look at this place. I went in there, and I wasn't in there for so long, and my dad, you know, he'd come in there to find out what's going on. And the, what he does is he starts witnessing to the guy behind him a counter. If you died tonight, are you sure you'd go to heaven? That's the last thing I remember as far as out in public with my dad. The example of our parents. How do you think Timothy got to from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures that are make, able to make thee wise unto salvation? His mom and his grandmother. It wasn't his dad. You have the apostle Paul saying that to him. He, he didn't get it from his dad, but he got it from the apostle Paul, which was like a father figure to him. The apostle Paul said, or, or to follow the example of other mature Christian men and women in the church. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Be ye followers of me, even as also I am of Christ. No excuse as far as for not knowing because of the examples, to search the Scriptures as the Bereans did in Acts chapter 17, verse 11. Young people, if you've got a parents that love the Lord, serve the Lord... It's an example. Be held accountable. We're all going to be held accountable. Everybody in here that reads English, you're going to be held accountable. Second excuse. Anybody got an idea what that one is? Oh, come on. What's one of the reasons why, we're, why we speed? Oh, yes. Thank you. Who said that? You've been there before? You've been there before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm running late. I'm running late. Running late for work, running late for an appointment, running late for a meeting, running late for an airline flight, for school, for class, for an exam. When I'm working on the weekend, on Sunday morning, at around between 9 and 10 a.m., who do you think is running late? It could be anywhere from the pastor, the choir director, the pianist, the member in the choir, the Sunday school teacher, some special singing group trying to make it to church on time. Just a thought. Here we have a failure at required time management. We are required, we are commanded to redeem the time in Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. One of the one of the things that you will learn really fast, at least in the Virginia State Police Academy, is time management because it will go very grievously otherwise. 
it's a matter of if you're not on time, if you're not on time then, you're like in serious trouble. But they want you on time for court. They want you on time for everything. It doesn't matter what you is. If you're going to wear that uniform and you have to be someplace as a state trooper, you better be on time. They don't care if you're not on time for church, but they're, they're on, you better be there on time if you're going to be representing the state police at church for like, you know, a, a police officer appreciation day and you're supposed to be there, so you better be there beforehand. But what's amazing, and, and I, I'm probably kind of preaching to the choir on a Sunday night, but what's amazing is, and, and I don't know if anybody does here, I'm, I'm not going to preach, I'm not hammering that, but generally, I know in, my, in, in the past when I did it on a regular basis, now it's like it's, there's nothing really worth, well, it wasn't worth anything before, there's definitely not really much anything worth now, but I just, it's too expensive. But we're, n- we're usually never late to make it for the movie showing at a theater. We're going to be in our seat 15 minutes before that thing starts. I know I had been in the past most of the time. Or a ball game or any other event. But many times, how often especially as parents, and, and I, I, I've got specific people in my mind, and it just it, it stuns me, the bad example that being on time for church is not real critical, is not really important. And oh, what an example. Bad one. To be on time. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Failure at priorities in time management is the second link. A great example there is in Matthew 25, the five foolish virgins and their priority of the impending return of the Messiah. There's going to come a day where many of us may regret we didn't do more because suddenly we're faced with the impending time of being taken off this planet. And I pray all of us will be going to heaven. I pray that it won't be one of us, that we'll have used our time wisely, that we'll have been effective in being used of the Lord in everything that we do. How we live, how we treat others, oh my word, you talking about the conviction setting it on that one on me. How we treat family, whether we're unforgiving or not. If we just love the Lord with all our heart, know this book and live this book, so many things would fall into place. So many things would fall into place. The third excuse. Anybody got an idea what that one might be? Yes, sir. What's that now? Oh, oh man, this is a blessing. Yes. You're right. You say following the who? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that's right. I thought for me you said following the lady. 
I said, no, 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 generally the lady's not moving fast enough for me. <laughs> so, but uh, yes, number three, going with the flow. Going with the flow. So if the flow is going 95 or 100 miles an hour, it's okay. Well, no, not that fast. Well, then why is it okay now? How that relates to Christianity or to the church is going with the crowd or going with how things are done in churches today. Well, going, you know, witnessing is just, it just doesn't apply today like it did before. Let's do it differently to attract, you know, the young people to come into church like this is going to change anything. And like Pastor Boots has mentioned numerous times, the problem with the modern modern idea of Christianity and churches operating as far as looking more like the world is that you have people come in that are so worldly in order to keep them how much more worldly do you have to be to keep them in the church and it's not changing anything it's not changing anything in 2013 we bought our house there in Goochin County in, in, in the spring that fall Right before my wife's Karen's birthday, I bought two apple trees, planted them. I was impressed with myself. Not that I planted them, but that I actually went to the trouble to do all this because I love my wife. One tree, it's pitiful. I got a lot of deer, and it ate that thing and kind of destroyed it. The other tree, it's grown beautiful. It is wonderful. It's been there for six years. Every year it gets a little bit bigger. Nice green leaves. The flowers bloom. So I know that it's growing. But in six years it has not produced one apple. It's growing. Growing is not the standard that God's involved. Growing can be evidence that God's involved, but it should not be the standard. Well, look at that church. They're growing. It doesn't make a difference if they're growing. The issue is what kind of fruit is being produced? Is it biblical? Is it godly? Is it right? That's the key. Peer pressure. Another thing that we've got to be careful of as far as going with the flow is the, our system of governance in America for two, three hundred years or however long it's been. And I'm not, I'm not downing that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not downing the democratic system or the, the system of, I'm not talking about Republican, I'm talking about a republic. Uh, but the danger you get as far as in a lot of churches has been like this for I don't know how many decades and it's destroyed a lot of churches is when we get into a democratic system of government in a church. And it's not biblical. Oh, I take that back. There's a biblical example of it. The Israelites decided to do a democratic vote, and God killed them for the next 40 years because of their vote. But hey, there's a majority ruled. That's not the, that's not the standard. All right, how God's system. Now, I understand as far as the complaint, well, somebody might become a dictator if everybody in the church was right with God and was praying, do you think that would happen? It's not going to happen. When we have a book we can go by, if a pastor is seeking counsel, but as far as 
how the Bible, the Bible is the standard on how things operate, not going with the flow of other churches and the systems they have, which is stunning. Is it? Oh, I think I, I won't go into that there. The, um, I remember just a, a side note, uh, the former judge that we had in Gooch, Louisa, Orange, it's the same judge out there. It, you don't have that as much as like in the city where you might have like five or six judge courtrooms to handle all the traffic and criminal out there in the country. We have one judge that handles three different jurisdictions. And we only, we only have court in Goochin County on a, always on a Monday. But our former judge, every time somebody would say, I was going with the flow, he would go into the, uh, a story about how a you know, 87-year-old woman came in, and when he asked her, ma'am, why are you doing 99 miles an hour? She gave the reason I was going with the flow. I don't know if all these cars are going that. I believe she's probably going. Well, the number she was charged with going 99, which is well into reckless driving. Anything in excess of 80 miles an hour in Virginia is reckless driving. But it can be if you get charged with it. But uh, going with the flow can be very dangerous. It's not what everybody else is doing. It's what God wants, what God desires, what God expects. Matthew 7, 13 and 14 states, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to the destruction, and many there be that go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Now understand what we're talking about as far as lost people versus getting saved. But it's the same thing as far as as a church or as your Christian life. Our standard is not how everybody else is doing it. Our standard must be the Word of God and what God wants and what God expects and it being right with God regardless. And I don't, you know, I, I could be wrong. I have a personal conviction that there in Roman, or in Revelation, it says, "In the books were open, every man was judged out of those things were written in the books." You know, I, I've got my conviction on what that is, but I do know that this book is not going to go poof at the rapture, and it's not going to go poof at the end of the millennial reign. It's going to be on. It's going to last forever in all eternity. And I do know that every single person lost or saved could be judged out of this book. If those are the books that are open in Revelation or not. I know that God had told Moses right in the book, and the reason why is because he was going to use it to find guilty the nation of Israel when they rebelled against him. Because it's in the book, and how many countless of times as, as it is written. You have Jesus Christ himself, God in the flesh, in Matthew chapter 4, in uh, Matthew, Luke chapter 4, I believe, where he's confronted by Satan and tempted three times. And how, one of the things that has always boggled my mind in, in trying to wrap my head around that God himself in the flesh here on earth is his authority uses written scripture. How much more should it be the authority in our life as it is written? Let me uh, let me just ratchet over this because I could I could go on and off with this with this uh, going with the flow, but um, in First John chapter two, fourteen through sixteen, 
I have written unto you fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you young men, because ye are strong and the word of God abideth in you. And that just didn't happen by accident. That took some work to get to that point in those young men's lives. And ye have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. 1 Corinthians 5.10, very common. We, we've heard this many times before. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. How well do you think it's going to fly as far as what kind of excuses we might have when we stand before the judgment seat if, if we can even give excuses? But let's forget about that for a moment. What about right here and now? What kind of excuses do we give in our own mind on why we're not more committed, why we don't get in the Word of God, why we don't spend more time praying, why we don't witness more? Where we're not more involved in ministry? What kind of excuses do we give to the pastor? On why? And I'm not saying there's not any of them that are not justifiable. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying on a regular basis, are we as committed as we can be, should be, need to be? Do we love the Lord with all our heart, soul, and mind? Do we live it like we mean it? For years and years and years, and even now it's easy to do because of Christian background, but how it's so easy to fake it when we come to church. So easy to fake it. I mean, I've, I've been guilty of it where you, you and your wife or you and your spouse or, well, you or your wife or you and your husband tearing each other apart on the way to church and you walk in and it's like, wow, blessed, you know. I don't know. I'm sure that's never happened to anybody here, but I, I'm, I, I don't mean to reality. But what kind of excuses do we give? We're going to stand before God, Jesus Christ, one day and give an account. And um, my dad has always said that he hoped and prayed when he stood before Jesus Christ that Jesus Christ would tell him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And there were so many areas in his life that it was a great, great example. So many times, every, I'm not saying every morning, but I'm not saying I saw it every morning, but so many mornings growing up, I'd look in his bedroom. First thing he'd do, he'd be on his knees praying before he got up and did anything. Always seeing him read his Bible. Oh man, just all the time he was witnessing. He was witnessing. Let's have a passion to really 
love the Lord, to be used of the Lord, especially here in a church that loves the word, you have no, maybe you do, but I, you know, being a missionary, you travel around to many other churches and stuff, and, and it is so rare to get involved or to, to find a church that not only has the book, but loves the book and preaches the book. You can find a church that may use a King James, but that, you know, but really knowing the book and loving the book and serving the Lord, value and covet what you have and a godly covet. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for this time being allowed to come. Lord, may we have a love for you. that uh, would bless others, would bless our home, would bless our spouse, would bless our children, would bless our church, would bless our pastor. Love you, Lord. I pray that you give us travel mercies as we leave here. And in Jesus Christ, holy name I pray, amen.